Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle, polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow, that's service now, this ain't your typical, run of the mill, tech talk, OGs, we're the best in the field, we'll help you level up and build your credibility, now let me ask you one question, who the realest be, unapologetic, if we said it, then we meant it, foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented, better make way, only facts in the booth, you're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke, uh, what success, I'll let you in on the scoop make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth come on yeah make your this episode your is brought to you by clear sky clear sky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. it optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform first approach look we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally great for speedy operations but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky. Optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on Clear Sky, as well as how to contact them. We're live. Okay. Not live, live currently, just, you know, recording. Oh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Someday we'll get this smooth. Someday after we're our past our 100th episode, hopefully. This is where we start to hear Robert talking about um, who... <laughs> Who has access to what and who? Oh, yeah. And no, no, that was that was then. We put we put after after we put the before after like that scene from Spaceballs. You're looking at now. What about then? (laughs) We missed it just now. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, we're live. And what are we talking about today? All right, Duke. Today, we're going to talk about managing customer expectations. That sounds like a lot of fun. Sounds also very handy. Oh, let me tell you, I think it's something we all need to know. And I think you get better at it the more experience you have in the ecosystem. But even if you have a lot of experience in the ecosystem, there can still be some instances where things don't go your way. Oh, for sure. And since I don't want people to just take advice from me, a dummy, we brought in some hired guns for this episode, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who we got, dude? We got Carlene Carter. Still Carter, right? Yeah, it, I, I, it's like, which last name do I use? Well, formerly Carlene Greenlee. Oh, uh, right. I made the name, and now I am Carlene Carter. That's my married name. So I always thought I did not want to change my name from Carlene Greenlee because I felt like the double E's everywhere just kind of floats mm-hmm. so well. But then I met my future husband, and Car Car sounds pretty nice. Car Car? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Funny. So Carlene is a very special because she is our CMA that we've had on the pot. I do believe. I'm the only one. I think so. so far, I guess. Yeah, so far. But also one of the first CMAs ever, right? Absolutely. Yes. I was in the pilot cohort in 2019 with 24 other folks. Oh, she's been like a CMA for longer than some people have been in the game. Well, 
a little bit, <laughs> I guess so. That sounds groundbreaking. So tell us a little bit about the pilot, actually, well, before we get into the meat of, of talking about customer expectations, I think, tell us a little bit about the CMA pilot. That's kind of unique. Well, actually, that is kind of about managing customer expectations. So in this case, oh, yeah. uh, the cohort, all of the attendees were the customers. ServiceNow was the service deliverer. And they were just starting to figure out that they wanted to have these elite certifications that are different than just something like a CSA, system administrator, or a CAD application developer that are exams that you go and you take somewhere or you do with all the cameras facing you at your home. Both the Certified Master Architect and Certified Technical Architect are cohort-based programs. So you meet with your cohort every week and you get a presentation from one of your other cohort members or from ServiceNow. And I think CTA is three months long and CMA is six months long. And at the end of both of them, you do uh, present one or more presentations to a board of your peers that have already graduated from the program. And so it, it's definitely different than just taking a multiple choice test by and which there's nothing to sniff about there. Either. Oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But since I was in the pilot cohort, and as you can imagine, for the top CMA that they invited, several people who have been in the ecosystem for a while and probably had pretty high expectations. And they're also trying to develop the program at the same time. We were all very, very opinionated and not afraid to share our opinions in that. And Julian Mills was running it at that point. And God bless him. I think he rolled his eyes at us so many times, but <laughs> it's really, really awesome to see where those two programs have what they've evolved into. They're not that different from before, but they they are learning things every new cohort and making changes along the way. So that's great. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> so, so now that you've been a CMA for, did I hear it right? Five years? Is that was it? Yeah. 2019. Yeah. So now that you've been a CMA for about five years, tell us how that skill set helps when you're dealing with your customers. Yeah, so the CMA is really meant to take a much higher level outlook on an entire project. They really are responsible for the success of everything from end to end. And that includes things like governance and organizational change management. And they may lean on additional resources for some of that really deep technical expertise. But a lot of the CMAs also have deep technical expertise in, in certain domains as well. But they're really responsible for making sure that all of the elements work together and that we're doing the right thing for the customer, not just to get to that go live day, but also that the customer is still going to be happy with what they had in three months, six months, in three years. Now, there may be some additional projects in between now and the end of three years, but the customer's not doing anything that's going to trip them up and not be able to be happy at the end of those three years or even beyond that. That's a good segue for actually getting to the meat of this episode, which is managing customer expectations, right? And so one of the things that you just said that really took me back, right, is that doing the right thing for the long-term health of the customer and how that can sometimes put you at opposite ends with the customer when they're focusing maybe on something short-term or focusing on a thing that might necessarily be best practice and that you know 
six months, a year down the line, it's just going to create a whole lot of tech debt for them that they won't be able to necessarily build their way out of. Yeah. So one of the things that you have to start with is understanding where your customer is coming from. So at my previous company, I used to do a lot of these like multi-workflow, so like ITSM and CSM or ITSM and HRC or some combination thereof of these like multi-workflow transformational, huge transformational projects. At my current company, we are a product company that has apps in the store. So our scope is much smaller, but the overall outlook is the same. Not only do we want to make sure that we're doing things that are best practice from a ServiceNow platform perspective, we also need to have an eye on our own roadmap and making sure that we're not doing something that the customer is not going to be happy with when our next store app release comes out and we've got a bunch of new features. And so I I think that understanding where they're coming from because they don't understand any of that, anything that I just said, they understand where they're doing this today, whatever this, the scope is of the the project, where they're doing this today and the capabilities of that thing. And I'm specifically not saying that application because sometimes it's Excel (laughs) paper or some other thing that's not, we're not like taking it from one piece of software and putting it into another piece of software. And that's really, that's what they know. That's what their context is. That's where their requirements are coming from. That's where their pain points are. And so they don't necessarily know that something that they're asking for could potentially hurt them in the long term. And so you have to to navigate that and and try to help them understand because a lot of times the people that you're working with that these requirements for are not developers. They're not a little bit different than within ITSM, but sometimes if you're working in HRSD or in customer support, they're not even necessarily people that work on systems and configuring systems all the time. I think even beyond the idea of harm, like this could be harmful for you. I'm finding that the new people that I'm mentoring need to understand that they're not even going to give you exact requirements, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching, I'm teaching classes on queries right now and teaching them to recognize the difference and, and opportunities in terms of like using, say, relative when you're making a query for dates. Most of them want to put in hard code dates. Mm. And I'm like, you got to use this relative operator. But the client won't tell you that that's the way it should be built because they're not ServiceNow people a lot of the times. And so you've got to role play it in your head. Yeah. Right. But long before they ask you for something that will damage them, they will ask for something that is just not expressed in a ServiceNow way. Right. And... It's, that's on you. Like You've got to bridge that gap for them. Uh, that's not a them problem. Exactly. I won't say they're never, never say never. But at, at this point in the project, they are likely not speaking in ServiceNow terms. Even if they had maybe used other pieces of ServiceNow, especially at the requester side, they're still not going to likely be speaking in ServiceNow terms. When I do my like introductions at the very, very beginning of the project, For years, I've been saying I'm in charge of ensuring that what we're delivering to you is scalable, maintainable, upgradable, all the ables. We want want this to be a long-term success for you. And so like, I like planting those seeds very, very early (laughs) because that means like, 
they don't know it, but they, that means sometimes that I'm going to be pushing back on something that you're asking for, not because I don't want to do it, but because there might actually be a more efficient technical way to do it or something that is just better for the long-term success. Because I think you're right, Robert, is they're going to say, well, I need a report that goes from October 1st to October 31st. And you kind of have to turn around and go, okay, so are you actually asking for a report for the last month? And that whatever month I'm in, which currently we're in November, when I flip over to December, are you expecting that report to then reflect November or still stay stuck on October 1st through October 31st, 2023 for in perpetuity? Yeah, fixed dates versus variable dates, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this conversation too touches on, for me, um, as I'm listening, the difference between a ServiceNow developer and a ServiceNow architect. A lot of what we're talking about here is ensuring the long-term health of the platform, right? And sometimes that means saving the customer for themselves, either because they have enough knowledge or because the knowledge that they have is knowledge that would get them in trouble. And I think ultimately, like when you're an architect, you look at the project from that level, right? It's like, what's going to be the sustainable and successful way for us to manage this instance going into the future versus here's six stories. Let me just go ahead and build them out. The old can does not equal should. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's so relevant in service too, right? Because how often can you actually say, no, the platform cannot do this? Not right? like it's, very often. Yeah. Right. Well, like you try to craft certain things. <laughs> like well, the platform doesn't really support that interface right now. Or that's even a little bit like more on the no side or the cannot side. But that feature that you're asking for is we've heard that it's coming in the next release. And is it critical that you have that now? Or could we wait until the next release? And then you get a non-custom version of it so that it's not something that you own forever um, and to maintain forever because you don't want to add things to your plate. (laughs) There's also this idea that like everything has a price, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, can I? Yeah. It's funny. I tease my daughter about this all the time. Whenever she's like, would you add something to her wish list of stuff that she wants? (laughs) And it's kind of like a little bit more expensive than I hoped. I'd be like, sure, you can get that. She's like, yes. I'm like, where's your money? (laughs) (laughs) What? what? (laughs) Where's your money, kid? I mean, have you guys ever been on a project where you got like, how should we say, a very enthusiastic VA and the customer will be, well, we're wondering if the, if the application could do this. And they're so stoked to be on service now. They're like, yeah, of course it can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But then they don't counterbalance with the, if we stop right here with what you're previously told us to do and spend a month on this, yes, we can get that result for you. And so I guess just going back to the theme of managing expectations is be real clear with your yeses. Yeah. And then add conditions to them very quickly. Yes, under these conditions, we can do that. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. I've been guilty of this, right? Like when I first started <laughs> in the ServiceNow ecosystem, right? I was a customer and just getting used to the platform and, and using the platform coming from the previous platform, which was BMC Magic, and going out and talking to everyone else in the company about it. Right? When ServiceNow enters your uh, enterprise, you kind of become the chief service now evangelist. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm going around like group to group, right? Like and and, tell, and showing people the thing and they're 
throwing out all these use cases. I'm like, yeah, we could do that. Of course we could do that. Yeah, yeah, you know? Oh, and, I heard this one is a feature that you think is cool too. Like not just them, but you think it's like, oh yeah, we totally can do that. It would be so awesome. Yeah. Or something that you've had a recent success in. Like, yeah. you know, like me right now, 15 plus years into my ServiceNow career, I'm just getting into UI Builder and it is like a completely different language. But every time I get what component to work, I start telling everybody about it. Because I'm so excited that I was able to achieve a little bit of success. And then, of course, building a new interface, a new workspace or portal even, because you can do that in UIB, is not a small amount of effort. And you really have to approach it with more vigor than just right-click, personalize, or personal configured form layout. Personalize was what it was like back in 2009. Uh, right, right click configure form layout or form design. And then you're like, oh, I need a new field. Let me just throw it on there. And then it, it's already on your form. And doing things like that in UI Builder take uh, a little bit more, not just a little bit, some definitely more effort to achieve than just right click configure. I was I was kind of wondering if we could maybe talk about like how do expectations get out of whack? There's at the start when it's like, okay, I'm not a ServiceNow person, so I'm clearly not going to explain this to you in a ServiceNow way and therefore get into my head and role play me. Mm -hmm. But even the best of us have been on, which would be you two, uh, even the best of us have been on projects where it's like everything's going well. We have a clear understanding that we're doing X, Y, and Z, and then you show up to the meeting to show it off. And there's like, where's ABC? Yeah. How does that, really, how does that end up really, happening? really important to document the decisions that are made, especially when there's a fork in the road and or you're trying to guide them towards a best practice, towards whatever. And certainly the level of documentation of those decisions, that the more detail that you have around them, the more they will help you in case you have to refer back to them. But also there's resource requirements to be able to make sure that you're documenting all of those things and staying on your your planned timeline. We have projects with our customers that start out with a statement of work. And it doesn't really matter. I, I think sometimes customers misunderstand. Like, it's not that anybody's trying to sell you one thing and then switch bait you to another thing, but there's only so much information that can be shared during a sales cycle and yeah. immediately the people that are on the project and the, that is on the vendor side and the customer side are are now like they're going to kick off their project and then they're going to start workshops or, or meetings or whatever to review what customer has today or their requirements there is going to be infinitely more information shared during those sessions to the people who actually are going to be responsible for shaping how the whole project goes. Yep. And so yep. you're going to learn things and they may change the certain details of what you thought you were going to do in the statement of work, which is why it's really, really important to think of your vendor as a partner, yep. customer I, partner. Like when I write scopes, I tell people right up front, scopes are like hardness is brittleness. Right. So we can make the parameters of this very hard, but what we have inside has to be very well known. If there's any of these things in here that we just kind of think we know, 
or we haven't done before, we have to flag those as risks to, to the scope right out the gate. Mm-hmm. It's like, we are going to build a feature that does X, Y, Z. Have we even done that before? No, we haven't. Well, therefore it's risky. And I only did this once, so I don't want to make it sound like I do this thing and I'm all accustomed to it. My developers did love it, is that I've annotated in the scopes the components of the scope that were most at risk. Mm-hmm. So I had like training. It's like, I think training is going to take us two weeks, but we could end up going deeper on stuff. Could be that people just don't get it. So this has cause to possibly inflate. And then it was just, they knew the magnitude of cost on the scope, but they also knew where it was most likely to expand. Yeah, I think that kind of goes back to what you were talking about, the person who's really, really excited about the new feature of the customer who's like, I just saw ServiceNow webinar and they said that we can do all Mm -hmm. things. And can we do all of these things? You kind of have to come back and say, yes. ServiceNow can do all of those things. Yes, we could add all of those things to our project. In order to stick with the timeline that we projected, we did not have maybe two or three of those things that they're talking about in our plan. Mm. And we could include them, but it would require some horse trading of, okay, well, we're either going to maybe push out the timeline because we decided that these new features are really critical to the success and adoption of our go live, or Maybe we plan to do 10 catalog items and these two features are going to be equivalent to the level of effort to build for those. So we're going to go live with a set of six and these new features, but then there's four catalog items that are not going to be built as part of this project. And we, we can put them in as a fast follower SOW to release quickly after go live, or we'll put them in phase two. If you already have a phase two plan. There's always things that can be traded in and out and things that can adjust. But where you get into trouble, and I think this is the overall theme, is when the expectations are that you said, yes, ServiceNow could do that. And all of the sudden, now those things are immediately included and nothing else changes. And so it's really, really important to address those early on. Very important person to me told me at one point that bad news does not get better with age. It's like stinky cheese. (laughs) Stinkier and stinkier. And it's not going to get easier to deliver bad news. It's only going to get worse because likely that news is going to get stinkier and stinkier. So if you are honest and you have a good partnership with your customer or your customer has a good partnership with a vendor and then having those conversations, even if they are not good news, becomes easier. It's not that one side or another is all of a sudden trying to tank the project. It's that what do we need to agree on here in order to be successful? Yeah, I, I like that. What what do we need to agree on here in order to be successful? Uh, one of the th- that I try to agree on with my clients before we start the project is that scope creep kills projects, right? And we don't want to add anything additional to this project before we can release the things that you actually want. And like you said, if it's a hard necessity, then we do have to do that horse trading. Well, I'm going to drop this out and we're going to add this. But then I also let them know that, hey, then there's a little bit of buffer here too that needs to go in. Because now you're asking for a different project than we prepared for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a really good point to pause as 
you know, I mean, you guys essentially serve as your own PMs, your own project managers. I fortunately do not have to do job. <laughs> not one of my fortes. Um, and I do love my engagement managers to death. But that's a really important moment to pause and review the original scope of work. And if the now the new plan is materially materially changing from that point, even if you plan to do nothing about the overall price of the project, that's when I kind of like raise up my hand to my engagement manager and my management of like, hey, we need to try to get a zero dollar change order here, which maybe is yes. part of the project manager mind in, in my head. But and, and zero dollar change order for those who may not understand that means you're amending the contract and it is a new, basically a new legal binding contract with the changes that you have. And the zero dollar part means that the overall cost. Yeah. And that zero dollar change request, right, just really resets everyone's mentality around the project. Right. Yeah. So everyone is we went into this thing, started like three, three months ago going to deliver X and had three months in, we are, we're changing, right? We're changing to X minus Q plus V, right? And everyone needs to really sit down and, and, and recontextualize the project from that perspective, yeah. right? This might've been previously integration heavy project. Now it's a lot more process heavy, right? Because we changed some things. So we got one of the things too, that you have to make sure in, in that situation is that you still got the resources assigned to the project, right? Because yeah. Sometimes yeah, the those, right ones too, right? Yeah. Right. Resources that build catalog items may not be the same resources that are doing that flashy new gen AI yep. integration yeah. that the customer is <laughs> so excited about. Yeah. I, I, the one thing I want people to understand about this is that it's not like a service now project is not one person sitting with one person. Like it's not me yeah. with the customer frequently. There's like teams of people involved. Yeah. And all kinds of possible interpretations of stuff. And so by putting all of this in a document, whether or not there's more money involved, that's somebody else's decision, frankly. <laughs> but we all have to come to a new understanding about how this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I Zero dollar change order, but certainly change orders can actually represent a change in the overall cost. And I think it's also important to say, so I'm just kind of sticking on because you guys are more independent and it's easier to refer to you. Uh, the change is not because Corey or Robert lied to you in the first place. It's because everybody, all of us, the entire team have learned Changes a lot. Their mind. Yeah. Learned a lot. And we've made decisions based on that learning. And goodness, isn't that life? Yeah. I'm not to put a poke at myself here. There were probably so many things that I said before I had kids. And I'm not going to let my kid look at an iPad in a restaurant. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Well, I've got two little girls and sometimes I need them to just look at the iPad in the <laughs> restaurant. And so I learned a lot that after actually having the kids that now the shape of my decisions and the things that I was vehement about earlier are different. It's kind of the same thing when you get into a project that, again, there's only so much information that can be shared and agreed upon and reviewed during a sales cycle and that you're going to learn a bunch during the project. Um, yeah. And because the customer, especially during the sales cycle, they're telling you what they know, again, from their context. 
they're going to learn a whole bunch about what ServiceNow can do. Oh, I didn't realize even something as simple as it could send out a notification when the state of this task changes. What? Yeah. Like the, those are the kinds of things that my customers are, you know, are, are realizing and they had no idea. And so that's a really small thing. In theory, a little creating a new notification is, is really, really small. But if those are the kinds of things that they're discovering, there's going to be revelations all over the place. And, and not always small. You know, like I'm, I got a customer I'm helping do resource management right now. And it's at the start, it was they swore up and down. It's only capacity. We're only doing this for capacity, right? Until their boss found out like, whoa, we can do cost modeling with this? <laughs> yeah. like, well, let's just ask them if they can just throw that in. I'm like, okay, well, listen, you can't go from just resource capacity modeling to capacity and cost modeling with the understanding that we're working on this like five hours a week, right? We got to fundamentally change the nature of this. And ultimately, those decisions and those changes are for the success of that customer. Right. Because that right. is a pain point, clearly, for that manager is the cost yeah. modeling. He's not able to answer, qu I, well, I assume that he was a he, but he's not able to answer questions to his management that maybe his management is asking that feature would help him manage or would help him answer. That's one trick I have up my sleeve if I feel like it's getting not hostile, but uncomfortable is always reframe the conversation so that it's not you versus me. When there's contention, mm -hmm. It's you versus you. It's customer versus customer. It's not customer versus consultant. Yeah. And it's also, it could be a good time to bring in the iron triangle because I think people can have something fast yeah. and cheap, but not good. You can have something yeah. good and cheap, but not fast. You know, the three things there. And I think when you, hopefully... You know, when you start bringing some of those things into the conversation that the customer realizes, yeah, okay, the people that I'm working with are human too. And if my management asked for me to come up with something good, cheap, and fast at the same time, I would say, whoa, 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 let's make, let's be reasonable. We got to pick two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true too. I think, you know, uh, the, you know, going back to the word context uh, on this. You know, because I think that's like one of the one of the threads that's been enduring throughout this um this whole conversation. You know, context, like you said, equals what they know, right? And sometimes, really, what they know or what they want or what they need, right? Like, depending on how you want to look at it, is the only thing that matters to them, right? And figuring out how to use the product to deliver that inside of their context is the thing that there makes or breaks whether or not the implementation lives up to their expectations. And I just think sometimes it's just hard if there's an inability to get both to everyone get in the same dictionary when we're talking about, you know, communication, right? Like when I'm trying to tell them, hey, this is what we're going to do. And they're telling me again, back in their words, maybe coming from Excel spreadsheet or something that's just email, right? And they're trying to tell me how this thing works. And I'm trying to tell them how ServiceNow works. And sometimes we can end up talking past each other, right? Because yeah. they're talking to me about their business need and I'm talking to them about their technology. So I think it's sometimes important, too, to make sure we're all talking in the same context at the same time. There's a long way to get to that point. Um, <laughs> I, think, but, yeah, I, think, I just think it's important, right, to make sure that we're all having the same conversation and, that, and so we can all get to the solution together. So at the very, very beginning of the project, a lot of times 
there will be documented business goals and objectives. And what are we trying to do with this project? Forget about the technology that we're doing it with. Right. What are we trying to do with this project? Are we trying to bring more visibility to our leadership of our overall operations? Are we trying to make something that is better for end users, uh, requesters, than a PDF form that they have to fill out? We can go back to that, which sometimes these things are in the statement of work, right? You can go back to that usually less than five bullet point list and say, okay, is this something that is going to make a significant difference in achieving our project objectives? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is, well, maybe not, but we really like to have it. And then we say, okay, well, that's, that's, it's an okay answer to say that, but if we focus on what your original objectives are, then maybe if it's not helping us meet one of those, why don't we push that into a phase two rather than horse trading for something we already had? I think also ServiceNow has, it's changed names over time. It was called Innovate at Scale. It was called Customization Best Practices. And I think now it's called Business Smart Customization or something like that. But they, in their customer success center, they have a whole page dedicated to business smart customization. And there's like an executive deck, there's a white paper, there's a seven minute video that is totally watchable. It's, it's seven minutes, but you can also watch it on 1.5x or 2x. And, and it walks through how to set up the groundwork for your governance of when a requirement comes out that is either going to throw off maybe the project timeline or the resources that you have or the scope that you have. And also all the way down to, I've got our now a requirement that's a pretty big high level of customization that's going to cause us a lot of tech debt. Then we measure it against this matrix of, is this new requirement that's come up um, or any, it doesn't have to be new. Is it, is it required because of some sort of law or you know regulatory body well if that's the case then there might not be much that we can do about achieving that but in in a lot of cases those don't work those are not very specific about the technical solution so you might be able to creatively figure it out without doing the tech debt all the way down to a level one or zero that's like this doesn't help any objectives it's just something that somebody brought up as uh, as something that they, you know, they saw something, they saw a feature that they wanted, but it's not helping our overall goals. It's going to require a lot of customization, but it's not actually helping us in any way. And that way you can, it makes it way less subjective and it makes it seem a lot less like Carleen, the architect is really peeing in my Cheerios today. She doesn't want me to have <laughs> And it also helps the customer to realize their context, I think. Because I used to work for a desktop outsourcing company and a lot of people would refer, well, the contract says this and the contract says that. As a consultant, I have now learned to say, can you show me the specific contract language? Because through the game of telephone and interpretation and all of these kinds of things, it might not be as you say. So we want to make sure that we are actually following the contract. Because a lot of people will throw that around as light. I want this requirement because the contract says this. Is that what the actual contract says? Let's make sure that we read it and understand it and follow that to the T. 
All right. Wow. Uh, whew, just like that, we are at time. <laughs> um, Ended on a contractual note. <laughs> if you want to reach Carlene, we're going to have a link to her LinkedIn in our description. And uh, Carlene, any last words? Thank you so much for having me on. This was really, really fun. Thank you for joining us last minute, Carly. Really appreciate it. Hey, yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown. Here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill. Tech talk, go G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question. Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust. Authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the do uh what success i'll let you in on the scoop make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth come on yeah make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth yeah cj and the duke what's that huh service now come on yeah i said welcome to the winner's circle yeah yeah